0: Radio Primavera Sound. Powered
1: by Seat. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the show where two dads and a young and talented and gifted young mind we shall refer to as the chosen one. Take a look at what's been happening in pop culture with the hopes of making sense of a world in disarray. This week we're thinking about screaming teenage fans is your band crap because your fan base has an army of hysterical fans marva verdu will tell us about teenage fans and their historical and unfair lack of cultural capital also is the new coldplay song actually any good hmm or another question we beg is are love songs a sign of maturity our album of this week is ice ages seek shelter Our names are Ben Cardew the Third, hello, Marva Verdoux, hello, hello, and Johan Moald. We're comfortably sat in our studio in Barcelona, and you've just heard a snippet of new music by Copenhagen's Ice Age, the band that started out as a punk outfit has progressively evolved over ten years, with each critically acclaimed album from cacophonous noise to cacophonous noise to actual love songs, poised with the type of gothic melancholy you can feel at Nick Cave and Bad Seed shows. On this album, they've enlisted an external producer for the first time, none other than Peter Kember from Spaceman 3 and Spectrum. Coincidentally, the album sounds a lot like Spiritualized. It may have something to do with the fact that they also worked with the Lisboa Gospel Collective Choir. We were able to speak with frontman Elias Ronnenfeld days before the album's release. Here's a bit about him talking about working with Peter Kember and the choir. This is the first time you work with an external producer, and what a producer, Pete Kember, a.k.a. Sonic Boom. Was he always on your dream list? Of collaborators? Um, no, we didn't really have anybody on our list.
2: and We never worked with an, a producer before, as you said, because it's, it's just... Um, well, we're kind of protective when it comes to uh, recording these records. Like, you, you, you spill so much of your lot and your work and, and your efforts into writing these songs and then you got one shot at doing them some kind of justice so it's terrifying going into the studio like there's so much at stake so if if, if you were to bring in some hotshot producer that would like go and try and tell you what to do or you were trying to steer things in two different directions you know that then you would just corrupt the whole record and like two years of your life would have been spilled um, so we've always been extremely cautious of, of that kind of thing. Or just maybe we didn't think we didn't really need it. But, you know, we we love Peter Campbell's work and we were Spaceman Free fans since we were teenagers. And we were trying to find out how to record this record and somebody showed us an interview where he had been talking about us and how he wanted to work with us. So with the songs we were writing and like his his unique sonical thumbprint like it, it just seems like it would make sense and uh, when we met him down there like it it, 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 it totally did like um we have we, we very much got along easily from day one and like have the same
1: kind of twisted view of, of things i'd say but where did the the desire to work with a choir stem from
2: well I, I think it's just like um when you when you're you're finishing up the songs prior to it entering the studio, you, you 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 start hearing instruments on top of that that of what's already there, and 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 a gospel choir just it seemed to you like that the songs were asking for it before, like it, it was like a no brainer. Um, so we found the, the Lisboa Gospel Collective, and they they were up for coming into the studio and. I think it was the last day of recording, and we've been bunkered up there for twelve days now, you know, mm. being in the studio almost twenty four seven little s- sleep like working for so long a time that you like we we were becoming madmen and and you have all these recordings that you haven't cleaned up in again, and you're like, What the hell have uh, is it that we're doing um but they came in. And we were nervous a bit because we never worked with a choir before. We have no technical knowledge in how to talk choir language, I guess. Um, but they were just extremely intuitive and initially kind of just got it and started playing around with harmonies and like it just became like a really uplifting, elevating uh, experience and it was a lovely conclusion to the album. and.
1: here from this uh, song drink rain this time there are actual songs that stick in your mind when you listen to the previous albums you can recognize they have a sound with a lot of noise and distortion which would become a hurricane of energy when parade performed live but they didn't have instantly recognizable hits on their previous albums Uh, it wasn't exactly pop even though they became very popular a very popular band and uh, you could kind of think that they paved the way for bands like Idols or Fat White Family at a time 2011, no? when bands were either strumming ukuleles or adding danceable beats. Um, my dear fellow companions of the table, have you done your homework and listened to the Ice Age album? I have, yes.
0: Yeah, And uh, for me, it was like a just trip back into absolute nostalgia, basically. It was like... Someone had soundtracked my trip to an indie disco round in about 1997. To be honest, round about when Mar was being born. Um, <laughs> if someone had gone Literally. back to oh god, had gone back to Norwich Waterfront and gone to uh, Frenzy, the indie night, and had basically taped a load of it. Um, and said well you know use this as the inspiration for your new album just stuck it up there and then they'd actually made a very good um, good kind of copy of it we're talking Spiritualized, of course we're talking Happy Mondays bizarrely we're talking Jesus and Mary Chain and let it be very well known this is exactly what I like I mean this this might sound like a bad thing but no music inspired by Norwich Indie Nights in in, Hmm. in the 90s is, is basically what I am all about I never really liked Ice Age before I never listened to them I thought they were quite sort of punky of a kind I'm not particularly kind of quite slick punk which did not not quite my thing but this I actually love but in a way I just could not resist like making sort of comparisons I'd be like oh my god this this one is a bit Oasis it's a bit Happy Mondays Um, very Oasis very Oasis very Oasis like Vendetta yeah it's like an incredibly Oasis kind of thing wasn't at all what I expected Um, I know really really surprised I enjoyed so I enjoyed it a lot a lot more a lot more than I expected and
1: God, they've written really good songs should I go back and listen to more, or should I just stay with this? What that, the pre. What my experience. I wasn't always, I didn't go deep into them at the time of when they were being very hyped at the beginning in two thousand and eleven and everything. But going back to it, I could in listening to all the albums back to back. I recognized there's this energy that I thought. I bet I'd enjoy this more live than on album, on record because, as I say, they, they didn't have clear pop songs or songs that are instantly recognizable. But then you. Start getting addicted to that energy, and I really fell in love with them when I saw that boiler room performance that they have on YouTube, where they're performing under white lights in a in a in a big studio with an orchestra, well, with an extra musicians, shall we say, strings and and, um, and strings and horns and um, and different arrangements, and I thought, wow, there's something here. Obviously, they get a lot of comparisons with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, but um, on this record. It's it's amazing how Britpop they've gone. It, it's it's, and, and they're doing they're doing their own thing. It's not like oh okay let's uh, Britpop's a thing now. No, I don't know. It's like unwarranted. Uh, C- can I uh, mention
0: my other comparison, which yeah. I just noticed? Pavement meets Spiritualized. Ah. A lot of it, particularly uh, Shelter song, made me think of Pavement meets Spiritualized because he sa- he sounds a lot like uh, Stephen Malkmus from pavement but the kind of backing is a lot more spiritualized Mar, how many norwich indie clubs have you been to
3: <laughs> <laughs> i don't have that many references but i did enjoy the album like i wasn't expecting it to like it i don't know why i just decided i would enjoy it and i did i uh, i don't know how i would feel about the other older stuff you said it's different from this one i and I enjoyed this one. It reminded me, maybe I'm wrong because it's the only reference I have, but I used to like, when I had more of an indie face, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Catch the Elephant, and some of the songs have this kind of, I don't know, Catch the Elephant feel indie to it, and I I don't think it's Norwich uh, mm, (laughs) scene because they're American, but um, they had this indie feel that I like. And, and I, I did enjoy it, surprisingly.
0: Everyone's welcome in Norwich, be they American <laughs> or, or whatever, apart from people from Ipswich, but let's not get
1: into that. <laughs> ben, you write for Pitchfork. Did yes. you realise that all of their five albums have been uh, voted best new music and have received scores above eight? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. and That's very
0: impressive because it's actually very hard to get like the score up. I'm always putting quite high scores up, and then it, it doesn't, I don't often get to actually put something. Uh, although I gave a nine the other day, which I was quite
1: pleased with. Oh, for the reissue? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of uh, phaser, la- phaser guided memory, laser guided mem- melodies. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> <laughs> Pfizer, <laughs>
0: Pfizer guided vaccines. You see, this this is weird because like they they went with the other one from from Spaceman Three, the one that didn't go into form of Spiritualized, and it sounds a lot like Spiritualized. And as anyone who knows. Uh, the history of Spaceman 3. Ma, stop yawning.
3: Um. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was thinking in my head is it Spiritualized the band yes. that did like a super cool cover that was like a, a pill? And yes, yes. Look yes. at me knowing things. <laughs> but I don't know the, the music.
0: But well, they were in this band called Spaceman 3 and they broke up uh, and they would get very angry they got so angry with, with each other the two founding members that on the last album their songs had to be on separate sides of the record
1: because they wouldn't have them on the same side wow. I mean, uh, yeah I mean there are two geniuses obviously Peter Kember who, who's produced this album what a coincidence that it sounds like Spiritualized Spiritualized famously usually tour with a choir or with uh, backing uh, backing vocalists that recreate the, the sense of choir singing um Mar I gotta apologize to you here at the table because you're gonna get a bit vexed with how I put up this next discussion with Elias um, because my feeling was with that with this album they would probably get more female fans it's uh, you know firstly because there's that standout love song which uh, we'll probably hear in a minute and in my experience very good looking X punks like Um, Ice Age are break a lot of hearts when they bring out their romantic side there's no denying Ice Age are a very good looking band I don't know if you've looked at pictures of them and stuff but I think they would have made your Tumblr 2015 um, (laughs) board Uh, I felt embarrassed suggesting that their older music was more male friendly and that this album would be embraced by female audiences as well firstly because Assuming girls aren't into noise rock is total hogwash. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but from personal experience, of all the hardcore noise rock shows that I've been to in my life, the ratio of men versus women leaned heavily towards the male side, usually. And especially in when there's a mosh pit, no? Um, but at the same time, it was a female friend of mine who got me into Ice Age in the first place. So what does that say? Blah, I'm not making any sense. Um, have you ever been to a show where there's been... Um, heavy moshing a mosh pit at the front
3: plenty I I think it it was maybe like the main base of my teenage years was going to concerts with mosh pits and not dying in them you're quite tall yeah that makes it so much easier because you can breathe while you're dying there so Um, you,
1: you you weren't intimidated if it ever got like too boisterous like
3: Oh, of course. There's moment and it gets way people get way too much into it, but um, it's it's fun for everyone if people are not there to hurt other people. It's just oh, we're just having fun. Uh-huh. It's, it's girls <laughs> can like uh, fun things, surprise. Well, <laughs> but
1: was it Fra- uh, Frank Frank Turner? Rob, am I getting it right? Frank Gallows, the guy, the the lead singer from. Uh, Frank Carter, sorry, Frank Carter. I always get them mixed up. Frank Carter, when he performed at Primavera, uh, last time Primavera was mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrated, he actually made a point of saying, okay, guys, step aside, girls to the front. I'm gonna, I want to have a moment for the girls to do a mosh pit, mm-hmm. right? This is what was in the back of my head when I was when I wanted to have this discussion with Ice Age, who is a band who also generates a lot of um, uh, moshing at their shows, okay? Uh, let's listen to this audio, and, and I do apologize to all my... Female listeners, all oh my all the female listeners for being so clumsy with the approach. My friends who are girls are gonna kill me for saying something like this. But it's like the record that more girlfriends will like their will like to listen to in the car. No, this sounded horrible. I'm gonna edit it out. No, no, no. <laughs> if, but if you know what I mean, like there's always been like an, an energy which I, I mean, there's been men and women at your shows. No, no doubt about it but i'm thinking of my friends right and whereas maybe the first two albums they might have been like oh maybe it's a bit aggressive you know they want to they want to hear bad bunny or whatever i can see them like with a song like love kills slowly like oh you know i want to see this band you know it's, you know what i mean but it's a silly thing to talk about think. us being guys you know, I don't know. Uh,
2: yeah i, I, I don't want to make it a guy or girl thing but uh but yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, that I think that's just it. Just pays with a wider palette, really, you know. Um, and and I also think like when when you're 18 years old, that there's there's more room for aggression. But if but if you're that singular focused on on aggression, like that many years later, it, it can be that that would be kind of I would find
1: that quite a quite quite sad if I hadn't really Developed from there. That's kind of what I was trying to get at like Whereas the the aggression that you can find in a we can find in a lot of music and in certain types of shows Sometimes it might create a bit of a male-dominated audience Like as I say from going to see like a a festival here in Barcelona called Can't Keep Us Down Which is mainly like hardcore punk uh, and anything in between the more aggressive bands, you'd look at the mosh pit, and it was all guys like moshing and doing the whirlwind. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like especially if there's a lot of, um, well, there's some kind of moshing that, that that doesn't really that that is a lot of machismo and stuff. And you know, I guess it, that that has its place too. But um, but I I just couldn't see myself doing that in my whole life, you know. The tender scent hangs long after the end.
1: ah lovely ballad to to wash away the cringe that i'm feeling <laughs> I, I swear i was i don't know why i walk into these gardens uh I, I, was, I like the way you said you're gonna edit it out and then not
0: only did you not edit it out you <laughs> kind of highlighted it for us all to see i like i embraced you
3: yeah it was,
1: it's i just thought you know the the, the cringe sometimes sells and i must sell out. um mar you were saying you've been to concerts you you've totally put, uh, demonstrated to me that i'm wrong that i've been wrong mm-hmm. but uh, what kind of concerts were you mushing at you were telling me
3: um it was it's mainly like Catalan groups like I don't know how to say it like folk songs but with very strong instruments and people just moshing. it's like a summer thing like in in the fiestas mayores and and festivals just for that and teenage Catalan kids love to do it but it it is there's always um sexism in everywhere in the world so you will find it in these kind of festivals too and and it is true that um there's some people that feel like they're they're maybe not manly enough if they see. Other girls doing the things they do as super machos, and um, so they have to get more aggressive to like maybe intimidate the girls who try to come in in this manly thing that it's moshing. So maybe there's people that get aggressive on purpose, so you as a girl feel like you don't belong there. But uh, in general, I also been in mosh pits that people, if you are about to fall or are uh, falling down, they, they will help you immediate, immediately. So there's this also sense of community. It depends. On the level of sexism of the fans of the group. Uh-huh. Have you
0: ever stage dived?
3: Um, Then, no, of course, <laughs> I don't play in a band, but once I no, play you, in a band. You don't have to be no,
0: in a band, you can get up on no, stage. No, I have stage. to jump
3: from the stage. Yeah, you get yeah. up on
0: stage from the audience.
3: <laughs> it's well established. It's my next step. Okay, good. I have done enough mushing, now it's <laughs> stage <laughs> diving. <laughs>
1: But, uh, so so yeah the, so this this is a this is wonderful because you Mar have this brings us to our next topic of discussion which is the whole concept of um, how in rock circles in the past it was a sign of weakness to record a love song or songs to fit daytime radio. Put it blindly to put it bluntly songs for girls as the mm-hmm. uh, Matista uh, journalists would say no mm-hmm. or music critics would say uh, so there's this kind of gender division when it comes to emasculated rock um, and here I'm laying the path ahead for you to tell us about your your thesis your uni- your, your your end of Come say myself. Your end of your your college thesis,
0: your thesis. That's. I mean, don't don't say we don't treat you. Literally a thesis. I mean, this has been like three years in the work, and we're bringing you. You know, it's it's like a
3: sneak peek into my unfinished, unfinished. I have to say that dissertation. So don't judge me if it's not perfect. I had to like sum up lots of pages in just enough time so people don't get bored. But I'm gonna give you this little sneak peek on what I've been working for the last few months, not years. But, uh,
1: you deserve an introduction <laughs> ladies and gentlemen <laughs> listen to the thesis by Mar byverdu <sighs>
3: <laughs> but I think it, it is very appropriate that we discuss what I've been looking at and researching these last few months in, in this episode because the this question cringy worthy question that you came up with totally matches what I've been um, researching and um, which is, to put it quite simply, um, the deeply engraved culture we have as a society of hating teenage girls, mm. and and it sounds harsh, and harsh like oh I do not hate teenage girls and um, talk about yourself, but it is true. Um, it is just an engraved uh, misogyny we have, and, and it's how Western society works. And admitting it, it's it's just a step further to maybe somewhere in the future changing it. It's, and let's not try to to hide the fact that we do hate teenage girls and and everything relating to what they do and that includes music and and when you made this question to to this band i said it it reminded me of um a book i i was reading regarding this the the fangirls and the hatred towards teenage girls liking things and and this man called chuck klosterman who is a an article for new york times and a blah 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 very famous man who he wrote a book called Sex Drugs and Coco Puffs a low culture manifesto and which he said something very similar to what you said and you can read it, I'll give you
1: I'll put the male voice. <laughs> yes. I had never before seen so many teenage girls at a concert with real musicians, which is what the Dixie Chicks are. Obviously, we're all used to seeing thousands of adolescent females at Britney Spears and NSYNC concerts, but those shows have nothing to do with music. Those are just virgin-filled Pepsi commercials. It's a teenage girl's job to like that shit. Hang on, hang on. Now, where does this come from?
3: Had I mean,
0: I know it's from his book, but like, where did he actually get the the quote? He was
3: I I I just I read and read the whole book, <laughs> heads up. But it it he was just talking about yeah how teenage girls are are well. He not on purpose was making the point that teenage girls do not hold cultural capital capital cultural capital no. I have changing it translating in my <laughs> head instantly um um in our society, so um to him. Um, there's such thing as real music and fake music at, as opposed to, to, to this real one. And apparently the determining factor rather than the music itself, it's the people who listen to it, and specifically if girls listen to it. and And then it comes to no surprise that you came up with this question that um, our um Ice age that uh, this band or whoever ready to stop being real music if they start um, appealing to a bigger audience that happens to be female. Because we know, well, I just had this example, but there's plenty of others, um, that once girls start liking something, the media becomes ruthless against um, this such thing. and, and, and Getting a bigger audience, which is something apparently good, you want more people to know about you, um, can become something scary if the th- the people that are being attracted to your product is teenage girls. It's mm. something you want escape. You don't want to appeal to teenage girls. It's the only mm, sector in society that you want escape to, and you don't want to be appealed to your product. It's like you want I don't know um, older generations because you have the respect you want younger kids because they're cool but you want to escape teenage girls this reminds me of something we were talking about
0: uh i can't remember if it was in the show or off but like we were talking about interviewing people and i was saying i love going to interview bands like i really like doing it um and you were saying that you didn't like the idea of it because you you'd like you thought they might not think you you were kind of serious and i was like oh come on They're, they're not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna say that and they're like yes you're a man and I was like, oh, okay.
3: It is true.
0: I know. I, I I found that I found that quite sort of yeah, devastating. But, you know, it, it um, is. But it's hard to argue uh, again. I mean, have you you've had this experience?
3: It, that's the, the the point and and the difficult part about doing this kind of research because most of the things I'm talking about is based on my experience of being a former teenage girl and uh, and being hated by everyone <laughs> in society. Like not directly when I go in the street, but you know, you're not liked you're you know you're the lowest scale on society's i don't know hierarchy um so it, it's difficult to to have but there's been studies made on on teenage culture and stuff lately so it's it's a step towards acknowledging it so it, it's good and an example to prove this point that um Teenage girls, whatever teenage girls like is, is not considered good or does not hold um, cultural capital, is the Beatles. Um,
1: yeah. I've always said the Beatles were the first boy band because they had screaming fans.
3: Exactly, the Beatles um, were mainly popularized um, thanks to teenage girls in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. and. In the early 60s, um, these teenage girls were constantly mocked by papers for liking the band too much and and screaming and and all this stuff. Like I have this um, part of an article of, from the 60s um, of already journalists back then criticizing everything girls do and like, and and it reads. Um, those who flock around the Beatles, who scream themselves into hysteria, whose blatant faces flicker over the TV screen, are the least fortunate of their generation. The dull, the adult, the failures. It's, <laughs> it's just so harsh. Like, um, I, and, and the case of the Beatles is ex- especially interesting because um, people began to notice that maybe, even if teenage girls liked it, maybe it could be real music, like, uh, as soon as they decided that, oh, it is actually um, good, um, this music, they decided to drop the the girly tag, it was not anymore, um, and, and suddenly it was convenient, because it was um, serious music, it, it was good music, so they didn't want to attach the image of serious music to something girls liked, so as soon as something good um, becomes ac- widely accepted, that is good, it cannot be attached to teenage girls. And that's what happened with um, the Beatles. Like They conveniently disappeared. It doesn't mean teenage girls stopped listening to the Beatles for good, suddenly. It just meant people were not interested in matching the two things together and and that was seen as like a victory still today like oh the beatles managed to change the ordi- audiences they they managed to leave the teenage girls behind uh, and that is uh, True success, and many boy bands still today aspire to to this kind of of success. Because I I was reading an interview um with JQ, um, with uh, of the boy band Five Seconds of Summer, um, which uh, are no no longer together, I think. I don't know. Um, and they said seventy percent of our lives is proving we're a real band. We're getting good at it now. We don't want to be just like for girls. Oh my
0: God! When did they say that?
3: Twenty fifteen. It's not oh, that long no, ago.
0: They Because I think the interesting thing with the, with, with the Beatles is, like, even today, like, people, when you talk about their, you know, their really respected records, they're the later ones, you know, people are mm. like, oh, God, you know, when they got really serious and they're like, you know, they're not the records when, like, they're actually, you know, a pop band playing to... Playing the big concerts to lots of people who were who, lots of people who were screaming, and even though their their early records are absolutely brilliant, you know, it always seems like you know as soon as they grew beards, they were like serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like yeah, that's what we're going to listen to. They
1: also kind of stopped touring because the screaming of the te- the fans would drown out the music because sound systems <laughs> weren't loud enough back then. That, so
0: I reckon boys were screaming as well though. Uh,
3: yeah, and and that's passion. I, I don't know, imagine someone feeling this kind of love towards you. It's like, why do we decide it? it's scary? Why do we decide it? it's bad? I don't care. it. Because it, we're I,
1: jealous. We're jealous old men who are bitter and bored and we'd kill to have <laughs> half the emotion that a, that <laughs> a teenage girl feels. A, I kind of feel it's that. Well, that, sorry. Said, no, go on. Sorry, I
0: don't mean to interrupt, but this is it's, it's interesting what Johan said, because I think like, in a way... And I've never been a teenage girl, so I might be completely wrong, but like don't don't you think that the teenage girls are both the most hated and the most loved? In no. a sort of No. loved most <laughs> loved. No, most love, no though, do you not know, think because the, the music industry, for example, is obsessed with what with what young people think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely obsessed with it. They are like the target audience of people. And there are loads of people who basically want to like what, what young people like.
3: But young people as a it's, it's a thing because it it feels more genderless, so it can include boys, so that that's good. You want to cool hipsters, I don't know, skaters. And then there's teenage girls, which you want to suck their money off, but you you know that whatever you're going to put out. If it's just for teenage girls, it's, it's going to suck. Everyone's going to hate it, but maybe you'll get the money out of of their pockets, but it, it will not be cool as something other kids my dim my school it will like the evaluation of products that are uh, that relate to, to girls is so low that it, it is impos- it seems impossible that the term quality and teenage girls g- can go hand in hand in a sentence. And it's not only that which is enough to be bad, it's also that we have like a quest for for the, to make sure girls personally know, they are ridiculed for liking things that are marketed towards them. Like, we have to let them know what, if, if they weren't aware enough that they're stupid and dull and whatever the adjectives are. And, and not only we can see that in, in whatever was written about the fan, the fangirls of the Beatles in the 60s, you can also read it in One Direction articles um, about their concerts or whatever, mm. another one uh, in JQ, which I don't know what's wrong with JQ, but... Um, I read, uh, it said, it was about a concert that happened in, I don't know, 2017, and and it said, After all, by now, we all know the immense transformative power of a boy band to turn a butter wooden male teenage girl into a rabid-knicker-wedding banshee who will tear off her own ears in hysterical fervor when presented with the objects of her fascinations. And imagine, you're just... A sixteen-year-old girl. You just went to see your favorite band. You're emotional. You love them. You make you made a line for these, and and you scream when you saw them because you like them. You, they're your favorite musician, mm. and that's make makes you crazy to the eyes of of the rest of society. That makes you hysteric. And and well, your brother might be screaming at at the at his favorite football Slayer. team oh, oh, yeah. football or team, yeah. or whatever, and and he can scream his lungs out and. And he's just passionate about football. But you, you're, you're hysteric and, and a fangirl, which are two terms that it's not by chance that go hand in hand, like uh, the term hysteria that was an actual medical symptom in the 19th century to discredit women for their feelings. Now it's it's just... Something fun, girls experience as well. is is a wrong way to express how you feel, young lady. You have to be ladylike, and you have to be quiet, and you have to sit down, and not make too much of a mess because you're bothering everyone else in society with just existing and liking things. So we tell girls we hate them because what they love is stupid, and and everything they do is wrong for some reason, and. As any human would, m- most of them try to escape um, this kind of hate. Uh, that And maybe, like, I, I remember thinking, like, I, I'm not going to, like, publicly Justin Bieber. I'm going to get, like, the, the most dense hate ever. I, I Maybe if I start showing interest in products that I know are more, more widely accepted, I will... Maybe escape this kind of um, hate? Maybe, um, I don't know, but, uh, there's other things I can like and, and there's other things people don't seem to hate as much. Well, you're wrong. You will be hated on regardless. Once teenage girls start liking things that are culturally deemed as good taste, they are suddenly questioned. Oh, are you a real fan? Um huh. I, uh, maybe you're faking it just um, I don't know for some reason and it it's it's, it's impossible for girls and equality to coexist in this universe no I don't know who decided I kind of guess it the uh, patriarchal discourses that make society but I hate it and I'm mad
1: We're going to have to do a, pro, a special episode on uh, <laughs> girls who wore Ramon's t-shirts because uh, you know they saw it on mm-hmm. gossip, uh, some uh, Leighton, Leighton Meester wearing it in some fa- fashion magazine. But no? do you know? <laughs> do you know what I find interesting
0: is that uh, I, I think I don't know. Maybe Johan you'll agrees that that as you get older, then you start to like a lot of the groups that back in your youth you would dismiss. As yes, is, like like take that for example, and. The kind of the opposite doesn't yes. <laughs> doesn't apply. I've never had anyone being like, oh, what you like, take that. All right, you know, name their their first three singles in chronological order or something like that. <laughs> you know, there seems to be like an exception. So, oh, great, you like you like to that. And it's just time and time again, the sort of teenage girl audience mm-hmm. is, is proved right. You get but old, you're like, oh, actually, you yeah, know, teenage like you know,
3: once the teen, like, for example, the group you said, once the teenage girls grow grow out of it because they literally grow and and are women now. Um, you can maybe go back and, and since there's not an audience anymore of teenage girls, you can go back and be like, oh, can I judge it for real now? Can we look if it's good or bad? Because mm. there's not the tag of teenage girl anymore. So we can see and, and, and apparently, surprise surprise, but teenage girls have taste just like any other human in the world and can judge if something's good or not. And most of the time, it's good.
0: Okay, so who are we going to be, this really interests me, who are we going to be reassessing in 20 years? in 20 years who are we going to be going oh they are Are well, you-
1: we've done it with Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. we, we, we have now started to revere her music and, and, and uh, review it like uh, um, an artist uh, a pitchfork artist for instance no like all of a sudden now Miley Cyrus is treated with the kind, the same respect. Whereas before, not so long ago, she was a Disney teeny mm. boppy kind of artist. All this no?
3: kind, of, Taylor Swift is getting all the, wow. the, the, I don't know the
1: the respect, the
3: respect that she deserved for years, and and now she's oh she's a great song lyricist, blah blah blah, and maybe One Direction
1: and BT and K-pop. You know, we're yeah. talking about K-pop. Seriously. But then there's the sort of crossover with
0: pop optimism, isn't there? You know, but like the the sort of swell in acceptance of pop music in kind of critical mm. critical circles. But I'm thinking, for example, someone like Ed Sheeran, right? Mm-hmm. But Ed, uh,
1: yeah, but Ed Sheeran's like, grandmothers love yeah, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, it's not just it's fine not girls. Teenage, it's not teenage. It's like Coldplay, which we're going to mm-hmm. be talking about. And, you know, it's one of those that the whole family can go to the show. The, the, the eight-year-old daughter, the grandmother, the 40-year-old wine aunt, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything in between. I am not going to go to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if your kids wanted to go, you would be able to take them to an Ed Sheeran show and you'd probably enjoy it. No, you'd probably you probably wouldn't be bored. No? I'd be at the bar.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but that Ed Sheeran is like kind of bad and and that ah, we all we all agreed with that, right? Like we I all know like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: why why Th- this is interesting to me because we're t- actually discussing uh, what is good music and what is bad music. Uh, why is in I don't know.
3: Um, I, I, I just don't feel the what his appeal. But um, <laughs> if if someone wants to to like it, uh, it's open for everyone. Like I, the thing that I hate is 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 what we have been discussing. If there's a larger audience that it's mainly teenage girls, it doesn't matter if it's bad Ed Chiran or good The Beatles. Like it will be bad. And the funny thing about the example of The Beatles is that we could put it as an example of fine girls before and now we can use it Um, in in the complete opposite inside of the coin just by changing um, time frames like in the 60s it was Fangirls and now it's like this cold band this classic so if God forbid you're a teenage girl nowadays and and wear a Beatles t-shirt on public there will be some male expert that appears out of nowhere and will start making you this questionnaire about like oh do you like the Beatles name every single song of every single album in alphabetical order what is George Harrison's blood type ah you're th- you're not a f- real fan. You're a fake fan. Blah 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 blah. Oh, that's and, and that's the the, the concept of out- authenticity now comes into play. Like, oh, she's do- she's not an authentic fan, whatever that means, and and she's doing it for male validation, not because she actually enjoyed it. She's an attention whore. So the, 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 <laughs> the Beatles <laughs> <What are you laughs> come to show <clears throat> that it is never about a, an, a product actually being good or bad. It's just based in who likes it in which moment and and then like we said like we can if we go back maybe years later we can be like oh yes that was actually good oh no that was maybe not that good or whatever but why do we hate girls so much there is no way you feel uh, you think you can escape teenage girl um, hate culture you will never be able to escape it there's always um, a reason why you're horrible at the end of the alley so My final conclusion is the most revolutionary thing to do here is just embrace being a fangirl. Regardless if you like um, One Direction or BTS or you actually just really like Nirvana, just for the performance of it, just be a fangirl. Just um, by acknowledging the devaluation of of feminine things in, in society, but embracing it anyway, you end up subverting the stupid patriarchal values. It's like, yeah, let's go buy some boy bands merch, scream at concerts and perform the most hated version of femininity while the rest of society tells us we're rabbit knicker wedding banshees because we're too too bad for them. We're having so much fun. We care less what they say. We're sorry, we're fun and you're not. My condolences.
0: Is that how you end your, your thesis? My condolences. Yes. Yeah,
3: my condolences, you're boring. Bravo. I'm Bravo. Wrong, sorry. Bravo. You do that in really
0: big time. My condolences, you're boring.
1: I love all the layers you're able to find to every subject. By the way, shout out to Rob Roman, who is uh, our sound producer today, and he is a fan of Ed Sheeran. He actually went to see him in Palau San Jordi, and shout out to you. We don't think less of you. You have very good, impeccable musical taste. And, uh, but maybe, would it, could it be that uh, what um, let's say the rock critics, um, f- uh, th- the way they divide this is most of the boy the bands that create these kind of hysteria, mm-hmm. for instance, K-pop, BTS, uh, Nsync, take that etc are prefabricated by a talent agency right mm-hmm. like simon Cowell and stuff so it's something that's prefabricated and it's studied to be as appealing as possible in the market to sell lots of records and on the other side of the spectrum you have a band like ice age who are punk they're diy they do it themselves they don't want to be commercial
0: but hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on like the sex pistols they're punk. And they're also prefabricated.
1: Ah, right? very well brought. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no one had a problem with that. But obviously that was a mastermind genius thing from Malcolm yeah, McLaren. Yeah, but it's, 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 but it's, it's just exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: But uh, at, mm. at the same time, it's like, okay, why did we decide that we hate prefabricated things? Like, if you have fun listening listening to it, like, just go with it. Like, mm-hmm. go have, have fun. Go, go scream. Like, we were talking about the... Tram Stamps, who were like this industry plan, a a band that was supposed to be punk and stuff. And it was just badly fabricated. People could not have fun with it. But if you manage to create a a product that people are attracted to it and people have fun with it, then so be it. Like, uh, let's have fun with it. Why did we decide it's illegal to have fun? We
1: we like beer, and beer (laughs) is carefully studied to be as appealing as possible to the masses, and and no one has a problem with that, and we scream over beer in some Well, the other thing was, like, imagine, like, what would be the most authentic music you
0: can imagine is probably someone, like, going and, like, singing unamplified in a wood, which might be absolutely lovely, but it's just, like, I don't know, there's a a fairly limited... But you can only hear it if you're in the wood, because, like, as soon as you record it, it's like that's... you're you're sort of adding... Uh, inauthenticity to it. So it's not very practical, me, is
3: it? it's much better. Fun, you know, the, the mathematical term that says bigger, I prefer oh. fun, and then authenticity. Like, what does it even mean, authenticity? Is it fun, not authentic? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I would have lots of fun of someone playing a guitar in the woods and that being super authentic and maybe I would have super much fun in a concert with lots of commercial stuff and my merch t-shirt and, and everything. So it's not contradictory like both hmm. things can exist
1: but when a, when a when a small band that comes out of nowhere that had no money that had nothing and all of a sudden no the, they they made it all of a sudden the, the press starts speaking about them and they managed to build a legion of fans or especially those bands that don't have support from the press and become huge like a lot of reggaeton artists mm-hmm. that you know, their following was real. It was like people who would listen to them in, 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 in uh, and and they had no radio support, no magazine covers. And it's like, how did these guys fill a stadium? Uh, Extremo Duro is a Spanish band that is, it would be a kind of an example. It's a band that was always, you know, it took a long time before the media started paying attention to them and they had, you know, they would fill f- football stadiums. Uh, it's like, you know, they're like the people's band, no? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in, you could sort of rival that in the sense of, look, this is a band that, okay, lots of screaming girls or lots of people like them because they've, been, they've spent money on a marketing campaign and they've done it like a capitalist kind of product. But then there's that the voice of the people kind of thing, no? the grassroots. I guess that's the thing of the authenticity debate
3: yeah but at the same time to me super revolutionary that you as a girl decide to publi- publicly love One Direction and call yourself a Directioner when you have mm. all the mer- uh, all the press telling you you're stupid and 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 brainless so to me that's mind like mind that you you're so strong you be like okay i don't care what all these adults talk to me about and, and they point at me laughing at me because I'm superior to that because hmm. yes, I'm, fu- I'm having fun because yes I, I appreciate both things I appreciate when there's bands that come from the ground and and build their way up and and I appreciate bands that that are hated on because of their audiences and their their audiences just don't care what people think
1: that is another discussion like mm-hmm. bands that you hate because of their audiences not teenage girls just they might attract a uh, type of audience that kind of eh, makes you like, I don't want to be uh, associated with that kind of audience. You've got someone in mind, haven't you? I do indeed. Rob, my dear, play the next song. Three, two, one. Sometimes I just can't take it. There comes a time every few years when scientists fear an asteroid will crash into Earth and send us into the apocalypse. The same can be said for Coldplay. Every few years, they announce a new album and the world turns to shit for a bit. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I love Coldplay. Who am I kidding? But it's a band that some people love to hate. And sometimes it's not even because of them. It's... Just like there's they, they attract this kind of audience, which is usually like kind of privileged, and and they are obviously very rich and successful, and so polite, and they're always on the radio. And this, their extreme success, just kind of makes people a lot of people mad. It's like a band that is the band that a lot of people love to hate. Why is this? Why do you think?
0: Well, I think it's interesting you talk about the Coldplay audience, but like, is there really one? They're just kind of like I, I don't know who they would appeal to I mean I can just imagine going to a a Coldplay concert and just being like exactly the same people you might see when you go to the supermarket if you see what I mean (laughs) you know there's there's no like filter it's just like you know these are kind of exactly the same people like um, I I think that people kind of like don't like them because they put a very heavy emphasis on melody right and I think people are a bit scared of that like they're very bright and shiny, and this one mm. thing I've been thinking about, like in music it's very easy to make something that's grungy, right, you could easily make this song sound very grungy, you just put some filters on it and it would sound kind of like broken and stuff, or, you know, you could take like, uh, I don't know, a BTS song and you could make it sound grungy, and that's quite easy to do, and I listen to a lot of house music, like the boring person I am, and like, again, there's this kind of thing that like, there are some like house music producers that are really reverb, because what they do... Just sounds like a little bit gritter, like they've sampled it from an old record. And you think, oh, mm-hmm. they must have been like, out looking for that. Where well, you actually just like put a filter on filter. it that makes it sound, sounds kind of old. And I think Coldplay do this kind of basically. They, they um, yeah, they just really, really focus on melody and sounding very, very bright.
1: All that said, I do not like this one bit, I'm sorry. Well, it's like they've gone a little bit vaporwave. It's produced by Max Martin, and if you've been paying attention to, like, if you name any of your favorite songs from the radio of the last 20 years, it's probable that Max Martin has produced it. You know, uh, Britney Spears hits, uh, Favreau Levine, I don't know, everything, everything, everything has been. has had max martin's fingers on it and he's produced them it sounds like aha uh-huh. um rob says that it sounds like phil collins it sounds 80s <laughs> yeah. it sounds like netflix 80s it's got that kind of this this filtery, w- vapor wavy sound that's everywhere now There's, some people call it bedroom pop sound um but uh it's- what I think is a little bit suspicious is why are Coldplay turning to someone like Max Martin who is someone who guarantees you a radio hit? Are they running out of ideas? Are they feeling insecure? Are they just sort of trying to cash in on anything because whatever you put a Coldplay label on is going to sell millions anyway? Or are they thinking
0: Christ one our eighth album, ninth album, I don't know. We don't care anymore. We literally <laughs> don't care. Not that we don't care about like making it good, but we we don't we don't care what people think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
3: think they'll care. They, they like, they're like, okay, this man's gonna make us a song that's gonna be on top charts and and billboard charts. So let's do it. I, we don't care in the sense that we don't really have a brand. So we don't, you ha, we have a supermarket audience. So let's try to make something that appeals to a supermarket audience. And, and they, they did that. But I think they do care about selling because that sounds like selling lots of, of records or. It's easy to play in, in lots of places because there's music that's used for playing in places. And maybe that is like you go into a, a clothing store and this is playing or you go yeah. into the supermarket and this is playing or the radio.
0: I think if you went into a clothes shop and that was playing, you would buy something two shades brighter than normal. <laughs> because it just is that kind of like if you're going for like
1: brown, you'd go for yellow or something. Or or, <laughs> <Yeah. Hello. laughs> or or you might go for something that's blue and pink. And oh 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 oh! If you've noticed him. the the graphic d- images for this uh, album uh, uh, use those two colours, uh, which according to um, colour psychologists are the colours of truth uh, and uh, honesty, but also um, mystery and uh, excitement. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but um, <laughs> uh, apparently they've drawn a lot of ire from Lady Gaga fans who say they are copying her artwork and her whole world be uh, world building for her last album for, uh, released last year chaotica it, it chromatica
3: exactly it literally sounds the same <laughs> Ka- like,
1: their so, their album is gonna probably be called chaotica. chaotica
3: versus chromatica it's literally the same concept they even used the same billboards in new york like the same concept the concept of a uh, an exterior planet and stuff and and mm-hmm. i've seen people say like yeah okay of course lady gaga didn't invent the concept of inventing a, a parallel universe in which the album is happening but it is impossible not to notice the resemblances and their pr team the cold cold place pr team must have known mm. people would point out the similarities because it, it is it is very apparent that they're very similar in concept is
1: it are they not on the same label
3: are they there's only about three labels these
1: Exactly. Days. That's yeah. right. I mean, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it all belong to Sony? Um, I don't,
0: uh, Universal, no, I don't think they are, you know.
1: They were EMI uh, before, and when and EMI became, blah, and Lady Gaga's Universal, that's for sure. Yeah, pit, pit, bits of EMI were
0: were bought by different record companies. Or which, maybe it slightly complicated.
1: The head of A and R who worked at Universal was moved on to uh, EMI now, or Virgin, or whatever. And it's like, oh, I've got a good idea. You know, I'm going to use them the same idea I used for Lady Gaga. This is, this
0: is one thing. Like, if you ever like work in the British music industry or come across people in the British music industry, everyone signed Coldplay. Everyone, literally everyone you you speak to signed Coldplay.
1: <laughs> oh, that's the minute I signed Coldplay. Yeah, that's Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oh, my God. Uh, they're on Parlophone, which is
0: Warner, which is not the same label as Lady Gaga.
1: No. I but, think. But what did Warner get? Well, never mind. I lost track. Uh, who cares anyway? It um, is Appar- all- <laughs> something
0: I've just looked at. Apparently, the song is about trying to find the astronaut in all of us, the people, the person that can do amazing things. What?
3: Oh, cool. Although uh, the astronaut... The astronaut. Like astronaut. You, you give, uh, like... In their head, the people that couldn't do anything is an astronaut.
0: I always think of puking when I think of astronauts.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything personal regarding to them. I got a firefighter, like an astronaut, the best person on Earth. (laughs) Do do, do, you know
0: how they launched it? How? Uh, They got someone at the International Space Station to listen to it. Yeah,
1: yeah. They played it just for this one astronaut before anyone else, exactly.
0: (laughs) Imagine, you're there. The more I hear, the more I like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's almost as bad as getting, you know, finding a U2 album has been put into your (laughs) iTunes account without having, without, you know. Do you know what? I loved that. I
0: thought that was the greatest thing. Just like everyone like, you know what? You might not want IU2R, but you've
1: got it. And there's like 400 million of you and you've got it whether you like it or not. I thought that was the best (laughs) move. But it's also kind of scary. It's like, hang on, you know, w- w- that people are controlling my library. No, it's it's. I just love how annoyed people were by yeah. <laughs> how do I
0: delete? How do I, even, I really
3: want to delete it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: It made more of a, a scandal for that. Um,
3: yeah, maybe the, the whole strategy is just to make a scandal. It's copying Lady Gaga or putting your album in someone else, in everyone's phone or or just having an astronaut be listen to your music because you love astronauts for some reason?
1: Well, see, this is another reason why uh, maybe a band like Coldplay doesn't elicit the kind of uh, reverence that a band like Ice Age does, that Ice Age or bands like Ice Age make their own artwork and they make their own community decisions. Whereas with Coldplay, you can just see them sat at the board meeting with all these executives throwing ideas, talking about budget, talking about stuff. And I don't know. It's, it's information that, who cares? You know, what's important is the music and how it makes you feel. If it makes you scream like a, mm. how was it? Like a banshee with mm. your wet knickers. Or that <laughs> quote said? Uh, that's the important thing. I'll uh, tell
0: you what though. If you think this Coldplay song is bad, wait until you hear U2's song with DJ Martin Garrix for the 2020 <laughs> European Football Championship because we're the people we've been waiting. Oh, it's not man. been released yet, but my God, can you imagine it?
3: Oh, I'm cringing. <laughs> yeah.
0: If it turns out to be good... I will publicly apologise to you too. Yes,
3: I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I feel feel quite
0: good about saying it, but my good
1: Lord. That's another thing, isn't it? Every time I hear Coldplay, I always think of Premiership League advertisements on television, on British television. They'd always use like the most epic Coldplay songs for their montages and stuff. And I just can't separate that association. It's like, oh, I hear Coldplay, I just think of a pub and everyone like being excited Mm. about a match.
3: I think that the reason a lot of people dislike Coldplay is because they overplayed that song so much. "Viva la Vida." It, it was so. Mu- it, it was it felt like three years we could only listen yeah. to that song. But it's such a good song. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I, I, Those- in in this case, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. It It's just too much. That was so overplayed. I don't know why we decided collectively to just. Only play that song for years,
1: and that was a trend that was also very disgusting for a while. The whole oh oh oohs" in songs like Arcade Fire, Coldplay, "Whoa," you know, getting it was so predictable. La épica, this this cheap epic, every all these Spanish indie bands that are do, that have that have that have done it, and they and it works for them. They fill stadiums, and everyone wants these sing along moments. I just cannot. All right, I got a question. How
0: far removed are Ice Age from Coldplay? I'm going to say, two steps. <laughs> Discuss
3: <laughs> how tall is the person taking the <laughs> steps? Because in my
0: <laughs> case it has to be a giant. Like there is really not that far from the new Ice Age album to this Coldplay thing.
1: Oh, that I that I buy, yeah, yeah.
0: bit you know, a bit of more production. They,
3: cause oh, okay, they, okay, yeah.
1: Because they got big tunes, and it's anthemic, <laughs> and it's it's almost like the all, most of the songs are made for performing at a large festival, like most of Coldplay songs. And that note we're being told to end, don't we? Yeah, no I don't time know if it's for Luis I was going to talk to you about stuff I've watched on paternity leave, but no time for my jabbering. So uh, thank you all for listening. We're going to fade out with Coldplay again. Come on, let's just listen to it. Sometimes I just can't take it can't take it and it isn't alright, I'm not going to make it, and I think my shoes tight I'm like a broken record, I'm like a broken record and I'm not playing right, just to go by and kill me, till you tell me I'm a heavenly phone, you're listening to
0: Radio Madera Sound, R.P.S.,